right, we're back. Bill Michaels Show. Welcome in. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills here with you on this Friday. Bill Michaels back on Monday. Rogers chatter, probably some draft chatter to come. A lot of March Madness stuff this weekend. Got the Bucks in action tonight and on Saturday. Couple, couple big games, big road trip. Fend off some challengers in the East. You got, uh, Grant, I just saw the Twitter video you posted of Colin Coward going from whether Michael Jordan's a winner to Austin Reeves, which is, is hilarious and awesome. So funny. He's the best. Austin um, Reeves. But I, the question of the day, where we started, at Benzie Kenny on Twitter, has the Packers offseason been a success thus far? 75% of people thus far still say no. Some of that coming from the fact the trade is not done. Some of it coming from the fact that not much, not, not many signings have happened. Grant and I both share the opinion that uh, given the situation everything is in and if the Rodgers moving on was a given, I would call it a success that the transition is happening somewhat cleanly and the future is very clear. The path is very clear. And they weren't going to go and get guys anyway. They, they brought back Keyshawn Nixon. I'm probably... Uh, I'm a lot more excited about that. And then I'm totally fine with some of the guys who moved on moving on. I don't think Robert Tanyan would have been a, a huge piece of, or I would have rather him not be the primary tight end next season. I think a rookie yeah. in that spot, a talented rookie will fit a lot and better. If he's, if he's not going to be your number one guy, then you don't want to pay the free agency money to bring him back. And I feel a little bummed about and for Robert Tanyan, for the same reason I feel bummed for MBS is their final season in Green Bay on the rookie deals when they were most valuable to the team, they both got hurt, right? So MVS was probably not going to get a second contract in Green Bay because Adams was there and Rodgers was getting paid, but he still was a really impactful player on that rookie deal. But when he was peaking and when he finally matured as much as he was going to mature on that rookie deal, he got hurt. And then same with Robert Tunyon. So the timing of both of their trajectories as Green Bay Packers really sucked. Yes, and then you also have uh, the Peace Grant people have brought up that the deal should have been done last offseason, which I still kind of want to push back on. It's it's still something where, yes, if you look at it in a vacuum, if I was playing Madden, or I play a lot of out-of-the-park baseball, if you know what that is. It's a okay. simulation game on your computer where you pretty much manage a baseball team. You simulate the games. It's a lot of fun as a baseball snob someone who, you know, you build teams, you trade good players for prospects, you trade prospects for good players. You could try to be David Stearns for a bit without an owner telling you that you have to trade the best player. But even if it, if it was all in a vacuum, sure, the deal last year could have made sense, but it wasn't. I don't care how he played in the San Francisco game. He's coming off back-to-back -back MVPs and, I mean, was one of a top three quarterback in football. And the championship window still existed. That's what last year was for, and it didn't happen. It just didn't come to fruition for so many reasons that have been chronicled really since the season began. So, so now the thought process to do it now is obviously it makes a lot more sense given where the roster is, given where Rodgers is, but that's only knowing what last year was. Yeah. If you go back to last offseason and, and you trade him, he plays like an MVP again and wins a Super Bowl, you feel like an idiot. And I guess that could happen this offseason as well. But again, the 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 part of last offseason or last season happening 
and, and the struggles and where the roster is trending, I think makes that nearly impossible. So that's, that's the one piece I'll push back on in terms of was this, is this off season a success to say that the deal had to have been done last year. I just don't think it was possible to do it. I, I think we would have gone up to green Bay and had pitchforks outside 1265. Yeah. And from what we read and what we're hearing now, Jordan Love wasn't ready. They didn't feel super confident in him. Now, we could talk about whether the contract they gave to Rodgers was a good idea. It's one thing to not trade him. It's another to give him that extension that they're really now dealing with. And the Jets and and the Packers are trying to figure out. And it's a mess and it's a terrible deal. And it's going to probably stick with the Packers financially for a while. So I'm not defending the extension they gave him. I still want to know why they did that. But I don't think you can move off of him after last year. And I remember coming in days after that Niners game, that loss, and saying, just do it now. Just move on. They're getting farther away from the Super Bowl. You're going to get more form right now than you ever would. And then after a couple of days, I came to my senses and I said, you can't. You You just want an MVP. The NFC is down. You just can't. So for everyone that wants to go back now and say they should have traded him last year, yeah. But it was impossible. And it's very easy to say that now after the fact. 877-867-1670 was the Packers offseason has it been to this point a success do you view it as successful still almost 80 percent of people say no at Benzie Kenny on Twitter another response uh, had the Spongebob gif of the to-do list of nothing and Patrick crosses off nothing saying that there have been no signings and nothing really material to react to which again I, I see that as they're not really in a spot to do that I don't know if that's the best path forward where the draft picks are the things that make the future more clear. And then after you see where the young talent is, then you add to it. So that's coming up uh, next off season. So eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 1670. If you want to chime in on that, we also grant have a a gift from the radio gods. Oh, always when the off season comes around, everybody loves to rank quarterbacks. Everyone's got to do it. And the whole league-wide quarterback rankings isn't as fun for what we do because all the good ones are in the AFC. And none of them clearly play for the Packers. So, Or I guess we could argue Rodgers versus Joe Burrow or Rodgers versus whoever. But still, once he becomes a Jet, I don't think that's, that's a very productive thing to do. However, on PFF, written by Sam Monson, is the Ready ranking... Show. Ranking the NFC quarterbacks after the first wave of NFL free agency. An NFC only ranking in my favorite part of ranking, which is tiers. Okay. If you follow any of my work, you know I am a big fan of tiers. Then tiers, Kenny. Can I try to guess? Sure. Well, the tiers are... In front of me. Yes, the tiers are listed in a descriptive manner instead of tier one. So I can give you the tier and you can guess who is in it. Okay. okay, The, okay. The first tier. As elite as the AFC. Um, is there nobody in this tier? Wrong. Okay, so Jalen Hurts. Yep. Is that it? That's it. Yep. Jalen Hurts is the one. I would, I would generally agree after what we saw last year. He's also a guy that every single season, go back to his freshman year at Alabama, he's gotten better. So I think he's someone who it's safe to say will not, it wasn't a Cam Newton. Oh, look, there's an amazing year. Jalen Hurts has gotten better and he is like Cam Newton. This is the comparison I'll make. Cam Newton was so gifted in every way. We're in college. I, he's probably the best college quarterback I've ever seen. 
carried Auburn to a national title. But he was so talented that I don't know if everything else was done well. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts had arm deficiencies and clearly wasn't a good enough passer. Nick Saban benched him in the national title game. And then since that point, because he, he, he was lacking in some areas, I think that leads to working harder to get those areas better, which then leads to a better work ethic and then has led to the success he's had. Huge green flag for an athlete at any sport is uh, progress in every department every year. Like if you look at Giannis's stats from one year to the next, he just gets a little bit better at everything year by year by year. There's never a plateau, right? There's never regression. It's just a steady improvement. So I buy stock into what that athlete is about and the way they go about their business. It's the same with Jalen Hurts, right? Where it's like, well, maybe there's physical limitations, not as gifted, always played with talent, but that is just a huge green flag. So I would buy Jalen Hurts stock, even though we haven't really seen him in a context outside of a, like an all-star team. Like the Eagles were great last year. Bama was great. I buy into what he is. So well, the year I, I before, totally oh, the year before they were not great. They didn't have any receivers. They had Devontae Smith, but but the offense the offense was average, but they couldn't throw the ball. They were the best running team yeah. in football. So that's fair. But there was a huge jump from that year to this past year. Which um which yeah, that's what I would buy stock in. I would say Steven Crowell probably fits that mold as well, as constant progression in every area. Shut up. Bank on it for next season. So the next tier grant, a a capable run of elite play. Okay. Uh, capable of a run. I don't know if I Kirk worded Cousins, that probably. correctly. Kirk is in there. Yes. Stafford. Correct. Because we've seen it. I don't think Stafford's very good, but we have seen he is quite literally capable of an elite run of play. There um, are four guys in this tier. Okay. So that's the first two. Dak. Yep. And not Goff. No, not Goff. Have we seen it? Was that playoff Super Bowl run an example of an elite stretch of play? Probably not. I would argue not. Not Kyler. It's Kyler. In parentheses, uh, when healthy. Okay, he belongs in his own tier. I thought Kyler was going to have his own thing going on. No, it's but those okay. four. Uh, after Hertz, NFC quarterback landscapes, nose, uh, the landscape nosedives, the guaranteed elite, which is Hertz, and then aside from that is they can be elite, but also we have seen many of those quarterbacks really struggle when it matters. So there's your second tier. There's the four. The next four needs a super team supporting cast. Okay. Daniel Jones. Correct. Jared Goff. Yes. Gino. Gino. My guy. Uh, Brock Purdy. No, the last one's tough. It's not Jimmy G, is it? No, he's on the Raiders. Oh, yeah. I forgot that happened. Wow. Uh, Derek Carr. Derek it, Carr. It's Derek Carr. Yep. Yeah. Um, after these players who are capable of elite play at times, we have a group of capable starters whose teams are still fairly strongly invested in them. This is the, this is the area you don't want to be in, where the Giants Agreed. are. Where, I mean, the Saints are with Carr. I like golf on the Lions, but I still don't know if he can go and do it. Right, I don't know if the elite play is there. You don't want to be paying a middling starter because then you're stuck. Would you, Ben Kenny, fan of the NFC East Eagles, be able to put your bias aside and tell me, would you rather at this moment in time be the Giants or the Jets? Wow. 
Well, love either one. Given the history of the Jets, whatever they do is going to be wrong. And given the history of the Giants, they can win Super Bowls with extremely average quarterbacks. All right. Uh, or they can win two Super Bowls with one extremely average quarterback. So I would rather be the Giants. They're better run. I love Dayball. I think their front office figured figured it out after their their old GM was a absolute catastrophe. Also, the Jets are in the AFC East, and they are so clearly the worst organization in the AFC East, which is saying a lot because I'm not a big fan of what the Dolphins do. Colin Cowherd referred to the Giants yesterday as an accounting firm, <laughs> and I weirdly think that's a good thing. But you're a numbers man and a common sense man. You probably hear that as a compliment to the Giants as well. Even though the Daniel Jones contract sucks, they are the type of team that can do something with a quarterback like that. This is good, Grant. The next tier, after the needs a super team supporting cast, the next tier is labeled, is Baker Mayfield. And in that tier is Baker Mayfield. Who, I I mean, might start games? I I don't know. That's not a position I'd want to be in. And the last one is the interesting one. They're too young or they're too inexperienced to tell. Okay. And that's six guys. Yep. Justin Fields. Brock Purdy slash Trey Lance. Yes. Um, Sam Howell. Jeez. Sam Howell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Phil Longo product right there. Gross. Uh, whoever the Panthers have. Carolina Panthers rookie. <laughs> yeah. Which okay. probably yeah. will be Stroud. I hope it's Stroud. Uh-huh. Two more. Who? What team haven't we done yet? Well, the Packers. Oh, Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter and Jordan and Love. Jordan Love. Yeah. Yep. So there's the six. I guess here's the point I would like to make here. And I think it is a little unfair to project this much about guys we have not seen play enough. Fields hasn't really played enough, and he hasn't been surrounded by anybody. I'm a Purdy skeptic, but still hasn't played enough. If he comes back from the injury and has a great year, then he rises clearly. I'm not a Ritter fan, but but all these guys and, and the whoever the Panthers draft, we haven't we don't know what they are. Obviously, we have no clue what love is. We can just project on it. But the question I would ask, and this does not have to do with love as much as it has to do with the rest of the names we just went through. Realistically, how far away is Jordan Love in terms of people he would have to surpass and how far in terms of distance that is from the Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford tier? So he's got to pass Ritter, which I think he can do. We'll Baker. put aside all the young guys. I mean, oh, okay, okay. How how far realistically are we from him being better than Daniel Jones and Jared Goff? I think close, right? Well, it's either going to happen or it's not, which is okay. Which is a big let part me, of me, it. Let me back up and explain. I want to say close. I want to say he's right there. I don't. I don't like the Jordan Love fan fiction, right? And I don't want to be a part of it. Like when I read Tyler Dunn stuff, and I love Tyler, and I told him this when he came on the show. I know he comes on Bill's show too. I read his stuff, and I'm like, I'm excited about Love too, but this is this is nuts. Like he got quotes in these stories. Well, I don't want to compare him to Mahomes because that that puts a ceiling on his game. Jeez, are you you wrote that down? So like I'm I'm enthusiastic and I'm excited to see what Jordan Love can be, but. I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. I got to see him play. So I, I want to be very measured in 
what I say and my enthusiasm about him. I don't, I don't want to sit here and say he's Jared Goff. Jared Goff took a team to the Super Bowl. Yes, I don't want this to be a, well, Jared Goff took a team to the Super Bowl the same way that Brock Purdy won games. He was on a team that went to the Super Bowl. That still counts for something, but yes, I let me change my language there. So, I, yeah, I don't want this to be a, a Jordan. I, I don't want to project and say Jordan Love will or will not because I think that would be unfair. We don't know if he will, and we don't know if he'll fat, fall flat on his face and, and fail. But the message here I guess I would try to send is that in the scheme of the NFC, which, figure, I mean, it all comes in waves. It's going to get better. The bad teams will draft guys. Stroud and Fields will probably, in my opinion, be quite good. And which will, by the way, end the whole Ohio State thing, which I cannot wait for that to end. Um, saying a guy has no chance because of the laundry he wears. But how far is he realistically from entering one of the top tiers in the conference? And I don't think it would take that much for him to get there. I think that's the point. In terms of what can we, like, I think expectations are going to be set way too high on him next season. We're obviously going to overanalyze everything, but if something doesn't go wrong, or if something does go wrong, I think we'll be caught up in the moment and use it to project forward to say, okay, he won't be good, or his career's over. It's a failure. Which, if we look at a lot of the successful quarterbacks recently, year one was a building period, and year two, starting, is when a lot of them figured it out. The Eagles tried to move off Jalen Hurts last offseason. They tried to get Russ Wilson. They were in on Deshaun Watson. They didn't, and they got lucky, and he became incredible, right? So I think we're going to put way too high expectations on Love and try to look forward. If it's good, then oh, he's amazing. And if it's bad, then okay, he's done. But in general, if we look long-term... How much, like, how much of a jump does he have to make to be better than Daniel Jones and Jared Goff? It's not that big of one. So then you're the Packers and you're sitting there and there aren't that many elite quarterbacks in the conference and you happen to find another one. It, it's not, we're not far off from the Packers having a top three to five quarterback in the NFC. Agreed. But I don't want to assign him that. I don't want to sit here and say, well, he'll just, he, he's going to be that. Because I think a lot of Packers fans just assume that. I don't want I need to see it first. I don't want to be Jordan Love fan fiction guy. Because we've been so used not to be this guy. We've been so used to great quarterback play, we've almost come to expect it. Like when our quarterback for the Green Bay Packers goes out there, he's just better than the other quarterback most of the time. Right. And that's not a reality for a lot of teams. So I don't just want to assume it's going to be a reality for mine until I see Jordan Love go out there and play. Although I'm very enthusiastic. He's He's seasoned. He knows the offense. I'm excited. I just, I, I really don't want to project too much because I don't think it's fair. Oh, we got Tom Clements in there teaching him up like he did with Rodgers. In the locker room covering his game. I mean, the, I, a big question I would ask, though, is, I mean, the Packers are in a nearly perfect situation where they're not committed to him. The Vikings paying Kirk Cousins was a colossal mistake because they thought he was the guy to get them over the top. Where would... would yeah. I'm not saying I think this. I think it's a question. Is are the Packers in a better quarterback situation than the Giants are? I would argue yes. Yeah. Given the contract they just gave, which they could get out from under, but still Daniel Jones. I don't think he's he's going anywhere. Are the are the Packers in a better quarterback situation than the than the Lions? Than the Saints? Saints, yes. That's what I'm saying is the flexibility is there. 
where you get to see it, and there isn't that far until he's until he warrants that money. I would say what I like about the Packers situation with Jordan Love, and if you ripped Goody for the pick, you know you kind of also got to give him some credit here. Is he's been sitting for three years, so we're not going to watch Jordan Love this season and then say, well, he's just he's just starting to figure it out. He's just starting to learn the offense. He's just scratching the surface. We're not going to know what he is this year but we're going to start to have a good idea and we're going to know more about him after this season than we would if he was just drafted or he just got to town. And that's the benefit of having him sitting behind Rogers is you don't waste as much time trying to figure out whether or not he's the guy. It's going to be a little bit more of an efficient process, right? Rather than just drafting Sam Howell and throwing him in there and seeing what he is. And he is still younger than Stetson Bennett. He's young. Yeah. Eight, seven, seven, eight, six, eight, six, seven, 16, 70. He's two years older than Drew Timmy for the record. You know, that's what I was going to ask. 877-867-1670. I have some breaking wide receiver free agent news. And we're also going to talk some Lamar Jackson when we come back as well. We could take your calls. Has the Packers offseason been a success? At Benzie Kenny on Twitter, a lot of reaction. We could get to some of that coming up as well. Take your phone calls. A lot more to get to. That's Grant Bills. I'm Ben Kenny in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Zach, as always, welcome back, Bill Michael Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills taking you up until two o'clock. Big weekend coming up, big sports weekend. Yeah. They always are in this time of year. And here's the thing, Grant. My somewhat off time when I actually dive into television, which is not often, as I'm sure you have, you've learned, my off time is from the end of NFL season, I guess end of college football, because then the NFL is only on the weekend and you have the whole week to do other things. But mm-hmm. the end of the college football season to the beginning of baseball season, that's when I dive into television. And I'm in a tough spot because I watch baseball every single night. When it starts, as do I like admittedly, I, I, I follow the bucks. I follow all the games. I don't watch every game. I, I'm not the biggest NBA fan when it comes to those seasons, when other sports are on, but March Madness is going on and it's like a passive watch when baseball starts. It's every single night. I, I have an issue. Are you a fan of succession? Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched when the first season came out, not to be that guy, but so the yeah. new season comes out on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's either I have no life and binge watch it the entire beginning of next week before baseball starts, which is probably what I'm going to do, or I somehow fit it in on baseball off days, which is challenging. They, I, I could be wrong here. Are they changing how they drop this season? Because normally it's one episode a week. It's just Sunday nights. It's HBO. Oh no, you're right. So you won't you won't have to binge watch it. It's an hour a week. You can oh, make that work. Yeah, and also I'm I have. I've gone on a complete boycott of Sunday night baseball ever since they put ever since they put a rod on the broadcast. I, oh, I, I can't on. do it. I listen to it. If my team plays Sunday night baseball, Grant, I listen on radio. I, I can't watch it or I put it on mute. I, I can't stand them. You are, you, you are getting at a point. I think it's an important one. And I think about this a lot. I do think the, the media decision makers in this country really overestimate how much the general American population likes Jeter and A-Rod. 
Like, because now I see Jeter in all sorts of commercials. It's like, I don't, most people don't like Jeter. You know what I mean? I like, I like Jeter. Coastal elite. Well, I like Jeter. Like, I respect Jeter. But okay. I also, every time anybody brings his name up, I feel obligated to say that he is the statistical worst defensive shortstop of all time. Mm-hmm. He was a second. He was, he was a second baseman. Okay. He was he was a terrible fielder. So he had a lot then of clutch will, moments. He wasn't even the best shortstop on his own team. I will adjust and say that I think media decision makers overestimate how much the general American public likes a Rod. How's that sound? Vastly overestimates. Yes. I don't think anybody does like him. I, I don't know who does. And I don't want to speak for the public. I, I just can't stand him on broadcast. They had him and Michael Kay calling the wild card series. Don't need that. I don't need that at all. The you Yankees know, aren't in it. Like Yankees fans, they love it. Joe Davis has been uh, often discussed and criticized. Tough job taking over for Joe Buck. I thought he was great in the World Baseball Classic. I think I think he does a great job. It's an impossible job taking over for Joe Buck, who is of course it is uh, probably the greatest play-by-play man of our you and my generation. Correct. It was tough seeing a baseball team I happen to like lose the World Series with a lot of Joe Davis. I, Joe Davis was part of my life every night to turn around, and then on Sunday he's calling Fox NFL games where he's awesome, but I now equate his voice to intense heartbreak and sadness. So you've gotten to the point now that a lot of Packers fans got to over the last decade where Buck and Aikman were the soundtrack to so much misery. Right. They just think that Buck and Aikman hate our team, which isn't true. They just happen to be the pair in the booth every time the Packers pissed down their leg in January. So now we're we're kind of over them. Oh, they hate the Packers. No, just call out of playoff losses. You're there with Joe Davis. Interesting. Yeah, it didn't take long. I know Buck and like I'm I'm sure Buck and Aikman got they got compensated quite well for the move to ESPN. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's some regret there when the one playoff game they called was just an absolute trouncing Tom Brady's last game when the Cowboys just demolished him? I I don't want to speak. Well, they're making millions. They're not. It's fine. I, I was going to say, I don't want to speak for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, but they don't care. <laughs> they don't care what I say. Uh, I feel like maybe they just wanted a new challenge. They're both relatively young. And they've called Super Bowls with Fox. They've been on that network for a while. They're well-liked. They could do that for the rest of their careers, and it would be good. I feel like they wanted to try something else. I don't know that they looked at going to ESPN as some huge uh, promotion or step up in the in a, in a bigger, better direction. They made more money. It's I different. It's a different experience. Yeah, they get to see more teams. It's a different night. It's, yeah, just doing something different. New challenge. I thoroughly enjoy the interactions between Buck and Scott Van Pelt when they go mm-hmm. to the sports center at night. Those are funny. Yep. Those guys are great. There was an awesome video that surfaced yesterday of Scott Van Pelt a couple nights ago, completely lost his voice, which is somewhat important for what we do <laughs> when you're hosting a, a sports show or any show. He lost his voice and Stanford Steve was there trying to help him through it. And he was just battling, calling like Winnipeg Jets highlights. It was incredible. Then he got through it. And it was, I mean, it was one of the more impressive feats of our age. I like SVP. I I like SportsCenter with SVP. It's the last kind of bastion we have of like a true wrap-up summary show, 
We're like, hey, if you miss sports today, watch this for 20 minutes and they'll catch you up. We don't get that as much as we used to. Like sports centers a little different. Get up and first take are different. I still get that with SVP. Or even like. if you watch sports that day, I used to watch SportsCenter even though I had already watched the games because yeah. I wanted to watch people I liked call the highlights because they're yeah. awesome. And yeah. one thing I think ESPN got wrong and has gotten away from is on sports centers. There's a lot of discussion about stories and they bring in yeah. experts to discuss those stories. I don't need that. I need I Kevin Nagandi and Scott Van Pelt or your big time hosts literally calling highlights of games I've already watched just nonstop. I want the ticker on the right side. I want oh, to know that Brewers Cubs is coming up next. Oh. And I get to hear Chris Berman scream about or, and make some funny joke about someone's name when they come up. I'd like that was, that's the pinnacle. And, and yeah, Scott Van Pelt still does that. The The good thing is I, like, I don't watch hockey. So that's where I get some, some hockey chatter. Yeah. They have segment yeah. bed beats is incredible, but the concept of, of calling games, highlights of games we've already seen, it's just electric. That's the I fabric of what it is. In middle school and in high school, getting up at like 545 on a Monday morning to watch Berman and Jackson do the fastest two minutes. Because I feel like I, back then, you know, I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't have Twitter. If I didn't see a game or I didn't watch Football Night in America to see the highlights, I, I didn't know what happened in Buffalo, Miami. I want to know. So I'd get up extra early on Monday and I'd watch that. It was just the the fast pace. Well, it was literally called the fastest two minutes or whatever it was. So that was the whole point. But we still have a little bit of that with Scott Van Pelt at night. And to bring this back to the beginning of the discussion, I do love Buck and Aikman talking with SVP after the game, 100%. Grant, our buddy Gerard checks back in on Twitter. He said, totally agree on A-Royd. Terrible. Sounds like he's reading off a cue card all game. The worst I heard. I Here's the thing. It's not the delivery of, of what he says. It's the content. Yeah. And the, the source. There's a I lot of... I want to hear him. Well, yes, but there's a lot of stuff he says that I just, like, adamantly disagree with when it comes to baseball, when it comes to the ins and outs of the game. So, that's yeah. where we are. 877-867-1670. Can you stand A-Rod? Your call's next. Um, Grant, I did mention uh, the mock draft that I agree with 100%. I would like to publicly endorse this mock draft. Okay. Which is something... Whenever we fill in, there are going to be some dates coming up in April where we'll be in as well, towards the back half do a mock. Of, of April. Uh, I, I will be publicly uh, endorsing mocks. I might eventually put my dream picks together, but first, I think the first step, the gateway step, is to say that we agree with something. The uh, Packers seven-round mock draft from Bill Huber on SI. Urge everyone to go find it, uh, at Bill Huber NFL on Twitter. First round, number 15, Clemson defensive tackle Brian Brissy. Okay. Who entering last college football season was thought to be a first the top five pick, top ten pick, missed time with an injury, and then had a had a tragic really unfortunate tragedy with his family, where he missed a couple weeks for that as well. So he he didn't play much last year because of a lot of stuff going on, but he is uber talented. He's awesome. But okay. that's your first round pick if Jalen Carter's gone, shoring up that that defensive line. And I believe he, he tested well, six foot five so, ran a four, eight shades of Rashawn Gary, a little bit, a player that had all the pedigree and the hype, but for a myriad of reasons is just going a little bit later in the draft. I think so. I think so. All of the hype on Brissy was entering the season and Clemson as a whole also struggled a bit 
struggled more yeah. than we thought, more more so offensively. But yeah, he just he just wasn't on the field. Gary, yeah, yeah, I could see comparisons there. Okay. I think he's super talented, but that's the first round pick. Second round, number 42 from the Jets. I figure this is for Aaron Rodgers. Georgia tight end Darnell Washington. Love. 100%. He is if there's one player that I would I would put stick a flag in the ground, one player I need the Packers to come away from this draft with, Darnell Washington. I yeah. I, I don't think it's close between anybody else. He's just incredible. Every, what? Uh fits well, cold weather, power football. Uh, can catch He's Mercedes Lewis, but can catch and run routes. People have said on the sideline of, of games, when they play TCU in the title game, he, he's bigger than TCU's offensive lineman. Okay. But he has the athleticism to to do it all. Oh, he's amazing. I do sometimes question his fit alongside Josiah DeGuara. Um, <laughs> who Jordan Love I'll get over that. Loves. And Jordan Love, yeah. Yeah, I would buy Josiah DeGuara stock just because Jordan Love always throws him the football. Yeah. If he sees the field. Second round, number 43 from the Jets. So this is projecting that the Packers get 42 and 43, the two second-round picks for Rodgers. Kansas State outside linebacker Felix and Adike Uzoma, who I don't know everything about, but I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com, who does a lot of draft stuff, uh, NFL Network. He loves him. Really productive edge rusher. A guy to put behind Gary and Preston Smith and, and build up to hopefully take one of those roles. Six three two fifty five, and Igbare. I like him as well. Yeah, uh, Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, uh, finalist for the Ted Hendricks Award as a nation's top defensive lineman. Eight and a half sacks, eleven tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. He's eight forced fumbles in the last two seasons. I like that. So I don't know everything about him, but I know all of the all of the NFL.com talking heads are all over him. Uh, late second round pick. I, I've seen him go in the late first. In, in some box as a nose for the football. Some might say with those fumble numbers, <laughs> some, some would say uh, second round, number 45 Boise state safety, JL Skinner. I admittedly don't, I, I know close to nothing about Boise state, but you get your safety or hopefully a, a safety, maybe play special teams as well. But you look at those first four picks. It is Brian Brissy, Sure up the defense line, Darnell Washington, fill the hole at tight end, add to the pass rush, which, Every GM would love to do every draft and then try mm-hmm. to go after safety. Uh, you, you go into the third round. There's a BYU tackle who, again, I admittedly don't know everything about, but as a depth guy along that line, the problem is it's the third round, which many would point out that the last time they drafted a tackle in the third round was last year. And he took steroids. Um, fourth round. I like this one. Michigan state wide receiver, Jaden Reed. I like that. Who's who's thrown around and that's a depth guy. Maybe he'll he'll challenge Samori Torre. I you took the words right out of my mouth, Ben Kenny. That <laughs> a boy, someone to push a young, talented wide receiver. Oh, I love it. Need it. Uh, Princeton wide receiver Andre Losivas butchered that. Iosivas. I, I don't know. <laughs> there's another wide receiver. There's there's another uh, another flyer. Six three four four speed burner. Um. So yeah, then you get deep in the in the late rounds. Here's the interesting pick: seventh round, number two thirty-two, UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. Ooh, now I bet you can tell us a little something about uh, DTR, as as we say, as we call him, as some say. He's awesome. I mean, he's not a he's not a top pick 
He's the backup. If you take him in the seventh round, it's clear. There's no controversy. There's no, why did he use a top pick on a guy? This is clear. We are drafting him. He is very athletic, probably projecty, but to be the backup. He, he would do a terrific job. Talk about mimicking Justin Fields in the division. He has some of the same skill set as Fields. Ooh. He's talented. He's talented. And he is okay. crazy productive in college. I don't know how it translates. Um, this last pick I wanted to highlight, which I also love. Seventh round, number 235, Northwestern running back Evan Hull. Love. There's something going on with Northwestern where they have they have two or three guys. Skaronsky's one. Hull's one. They have a, they have a defensive lineman who's going to go in the top two rounds who is a crazy athlete. And then Evan Hull shows up to the to the combine and runs a really good speed. But he was a bruiser. But it's because their freaking grass at Northwestern is so long. So when they have athletes, they can't even show their athleticism. They need another running back. Seventh round would be a perfect place for it to happen. He, he would be a good and I would third love a Big back. Ten guy. And the last one, which I also love, seventh round, Purdue tight end Payne Durham. Ooh. Oh, Bill, I, Bill's pushing all the right buttons. The final pick of the draft, compensatory seventh round, Michigan kicker Jake Moody. Oh. You serious? I, I really like this draft. It, it's incredible. Um, Sports Illustrated, Bill Huber put it out. I, I'm not going to tell you that I know much about some of the mid-round guys that I haven't heard a lot about and did not play in the Big Ten, but those th- that first group, Give me Darnell Washington. Give me, give me Brian Brissy. Give me the Kansas State kid. And then late in the draft, I think this is a perfect strategy. Backup quarterback, somebody who maybe could turn into something productive, but also will be cheap and non-controversial. Evan Hull, I think would be perfect. Another running back. Another depth tight end. A Big Ten tight end. You know, could play some inline. And a yep. kicker. So just looking at the positions... Uh, high-end D-line and edge rushers, tight end, depth-wide receivers, depth running back, and a safety, and a backup quarterback. Brilliant. I would love it if they would allocate their resources to those positions. I can't tell you much about all those players, but those are the positions that need to be addressed. I like that. I have a weird feeling that DTR would find himself in a game and would ball out for one and just create, or no, it'll be preseason. It'll be the age-old Danny Etling, Kurt Benkert fiasco we go through where they're all better than love in the preseason from what we hear from callers. I wanted to hit this too, Grant. Uh, Yes. Matt Schneiderman put out in The Athletic the top 20 draft targets for the Packers, meaning if, again, if if number one is there, you take one. If one's gone, you take two. Okay. If, If the first two are gone, you take three. And you put out 20, even though the Packers obviously draft... 15th how many players do you think are before a wide receiver on this list um he's probably a brian branch guy thinking of schneidman probably up there i'd say five it is actually eight. Oh, i don't know that i like that i feel like we're limiting ourselves. i think i do and here's why he is jalen carter number one which again, if you if you control for the off-field stuff, which is part of it, but if yeah. it's just, 
what is the player fit there? I think it's perfect. Well, I love Jalen Carter too, but wish in one hand, you know, use that expression today. I've heard it. Uh, but there are a lot of there's there's his second is Skaronsky, who off my board I'm out on. But the third is Paris Johnson, who I love. But those are that's defensive tackle, offensive lineman, offensive lineman, trenches, big ugly, which I think works. And then Broderick Jones, another offensive tackle. Okay, so it's clear that that this is at least his approach, and I think I somewhat agree with it. There's Miles Murphy, who's an edge rusher from Clemson, on mm-hmm. the. Line with Brissy, who's also really good. And then Branch, you mentioned. Lucas Van Ness, who I know you don't like. Off my board. And Nolan Smith, the crazy athletic edge rusher from Georgia, who didn't play last year. He ran a 4-3-9-40. I'd be okay with those guys. I don't want a safety at 15. I'll bang my head into a wall if they draft a safety with the 15th overall pick in the draft. I just feel like the Packers have been really good at drafting linemen in later rounds. And that's why Paris Johnson and the like maybe give me a little pause at 15. Skaronsky doesn't give me pause. He gives me stop. He's not on my board, off my board. But Paris Johnson, yeah, that seems like a like a common sense pick. Who's one of the best programs in the country? Ohio State. Best alignment? Take him. That's the opposite of overthinking, which I like. Yeah, I like Johnson a lot. And, and then it goes into where his number 9 and 10 and 11 are Jordan Addison- Smith and Jake, but Jalen Hyatt. So that's where he's got Jalen Addison over those guys. Huh? Yeah, I'm out on that. I'm sure Vega Bon Johnny agrees. Jalen Addison? I meant Jordan. 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 877-867-1670. Real quick, we could take a call here. Line one. You're on the Bill Michael Show. Who do we got? Hello. Yo, man. It's your buddy Bruce. How y'all doing today, man? What's up, man? How are you? Man, I'm over here working, just chilling, listening to the radio and, uh, I don't know. I figured I'd call into the show, see what's going on over there with the boys over there. Yeah, what's on your mind, buddy? Yeah, what's on your mind, buddy? Um, I got a question. Um, what 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 do the Packers have a first round pick? They do. Number fifteen. Number fifteen. What would you, what would you do if they went out and got a, a quarterback at fifteen? <laughs> Ooh. That's a good question, and I appreciate the phone call, Bruce. My real answer is I would despise it. Could I ask you a question, Ben, to add on to this question? Sure. What quarterback would have to fall to 15 for you to be okay or even happy with the selection of the quarterback at that position in the draft? C.J. Stroud. Okay. That's the only one. Okay. The other guys are projects. Well, except Bryce Young, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I would take him over. I wouldn't use that pick to take him over love. So if you had your choice of any quarterback in this draft, you would take Stroud? Easily. Oh, okay. so easily. Just watch the Ohio State-Georgia game. Well, I do. I, I, I don't pay attention to pro days. I just watch the film. The all 22. <laughs> Stroud, um, very, very good at moving in the pocket, which I feel like translates well to the pros. Yes, he's incredible at it. And against a defense with obviously a lot of first round picks and, and draft picks. Mm-hmm. He, he played the most impressive quarterback game. I think I've seen since Joe Burrow in that game. Yeah. But it, the thing with Anthony Richardson and, and Will Levis is they're projects. So if you would take them at 15, which I would not be in favor of, they wouldn't start for the next couple of years. So it's not as if you would take them into battle with love. So it'd be a weird spot. 
I think you could. I think that would make more sense than taking a guy to to be the starter. Instead, take a guy that you try to build up for the next couple of years as a love insurance plan. Okay. But I, I can almost guarantee they won't do that. I would be categorically against it. As would I. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. I I don't think it's a. You want to have two two bites at the apple, two throws at the dartboard. Oh damn. To try to find one because it's either loves the guy or not, and then you have outs to go find guys in the future. So there's yeah. your draft talk. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. We can get back to the phones when we come back. What would your plan for for the first round, first couple rounds be for the Packers in this coming draft if they grab some seconds in the Aaron Rodgers deal? We'll hit on that. Got March Madness coming up, some some spring football chatter, a lot more to come. It is the Bill Michael Show. Be back after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.